0: Good morning, everybody. If anybody needs some uh, nine volts or double A's, they're right here, okay? Here you go, Dwight. My name's Matt. I'm on the team here at Victory Point. Where'd Brenda go? Thanks, thanks for making us cry. Where is she? Yeah, come on. Is she back there? Like, I'm, like Then you had to throw a picture of Arlene in there, like just really tug at our hearts. I just want to, I cannot emphasize this enough. If when you were watching that video, listening to that song, listening to Brenda, if, if God got your attention in even the smallest of ways, lean into that. Pay attention to that. Like, I, if you need to ignore everything I'm about to say in a message because you need to pay attention to God's slight little teeny nudge of invitation to, to check out Kids Hope, to, to, to explore being a mentor or a prayer partner... Don't, don't let time pass. Do that today. Brenda's going to be out in the lobby afterwards. There's no reason a church this size can't flood Great Lakes with mentors for, for kids that just need to know that they're believed in. Just by showing up every week for an hour, you communicate to a kid, you matter, you're worth my time, you're worth God's time. So if God's getting your attention at all on that, I implore you, pay attention to it, lean into it, respond to it today. Okay? All right. Got some, uh, some wax on this table. We had a wedding here yesterday. So if you happen to see Michael David, and it was Millie Phelps, but now it's Millie David, make sure... I, don't, I didn't see him this morning. I didn't expect him to be here this morning. But uh, make sure you congratulate them uh, next time you see them around Victory Point. And I just want to say... Thanks for gathering this morning. I mean, we don't have any barbecue today. We don't have any ice cream today. But here's the serious people, you know, that show up. They don't need the food. They just, they come because it's good to gather. Uh, it's what the church does. Um, I just want to briefly share and draw attention and give some vision for even for an event coming up here in a couple of weeks that I'm really excited about, that I hope you're really excited about. Uh, it's called Leadership Day. And uh, here's our vision. Um, we, we envision attempting, and and that's the emphasis, attempting to gather everyone who serves in every way at Victory Point into the same room at the same time to say thank you and to invest in you and and to to start kind of a a year together. And uh, because here's what we believe is true. Um, Everyone who serves in any way here at Victory Point, you're a leader and we want to invest in you. Now you might be sitting here this morning like, I just make coffee. I just shake hands once a month. That's all I do. I, I just help collect the offering like once a month. Well, can I just uh, push back on that? There's no I justs at Victory Point. Like if you serve in any way, if you contribute in any way, you you matter. You're a leader. You're valuable to us. You, Whether you realize it or not, you are contributing to our vision and our mission. You're creating experiences for people. You're, you're creating environments for people. Um, you're, you're, you're contributing to the, the gathering of resources to, to keep the vision and the mission you know, going strong. Anything you do by way of service here at Victory Point matters. You matter. So we want to invest in you. We want to say thanks to you. Um, you know, the, the scriptures tell us in Ephesians 4 that, you know, God gave some to be pastors, apostles, evangelists, you know. Um, he, this fivefold fold ministry for the equipping of God's people for, to, for works of service. So one of the things we're supposed to do is equip God's people for works of service. So we want to get everyone in the same room um, and, and not just invest in you because of the ways you serve this particular body of Christ. But because when you serve... You're saying that you want to live into our vision and our mission with your whole lives. Like, like you embody our vision and mission out there. You know, you're only serving here maybe once a month. But you're on mission out there every day of the week, in your workplace, in schools, in neighborhoods, and that's worth investing in, and that's worth equipping people. So it's just going to be on this Saturday, the 28th, a couple of Saturdays from now, Saturday, September 28th, 8.30 to 1.30. If you serve in any way, you can go to the event page of our website, get signed up for this. It's free. We're going to feed you. We're going to have some fun. But I'm just really excited about this day, and I ask you to... um, to just pray with us as, as we gather leaders together, you know, uh, to, to build the body of Christ. Well, last week, if you were here, we began a new service called Devoted. Devoted to the Word of God. And uh, it, it comes from one verse in Acts chapter 2. It, it's that, that famous passage where we read about the early church in Acts chapter 2. And uh, in Acts 2.42, it says this. They, the, the early believers, the early church... They devoted themselves to four things. The apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. And uh, we, we just decided we're going to camp out in that first one for a few weeks, for, for a series. What does it mean to be devoted to the apostles' teaching or for us to, to the word of God? You know, and it, and it brings up that question, like, are we? Are we, as a people, devoted to the Word of God? I mean, it's easy to answer on behalf of a church, like, oh yeah, yeah, we believe in the Bible, the Bible's important, you know, we center around the Bible, but but truly, are we? Are we devoted to the Bible? Are we reading the Bible? Are we devoted? Are, are, are we immersed? Do we orient our lives around the, the, the Word of God? And we wanted this to be very practical not just theoretical not just philosophical we want this to be to be practical to be something that we actually do so we created a church-wide bible reading plan and uh, last week if you were here you received one of these cards Uh, if you don't have one of these you can grab one at the welcome table on your way out you can access this at victorypoint.org. Just scroll down. You can see the daily readings. Um, you can even on our Facebook page. If you go to Victory Point's Facebook page and like it, you will receive you know, these updates every day as well. But basically, we're just inviting us as a church to together read the scriptures together. What would it be like if a, if a body of believers all centered around the same scriptures every day? And came together around those scriptures every week. What would that be like? Well, we want to find out. So we we created this Bible reading plan. Brendan helped put this all together. We're modeling it after the Revised Common Lectionary, which is uh, just a a big smart word for a group of people who take the Bible and they divide it up into like a three-year Bible reading plan. And uh, so we're borrowing from that. You know, we we thought about like, do we just try to read through the Bible altogether? But um, that would be pretty aggressive. And it's not, you know, September's not always the best time to start that. That's more of a beginning of the year thing. Plus, the nice thing about this plan is it it matches the church calendar. So when we get to things like Christmas, we'll be reading passages that relate to that. So I just really invite you and encourage you um, to participate. It's very lightweight. Um, it, it's not a lot of reading each day. A matter of fact, you could probably read a whole week's worth every day if you wanted, and just pay attention to what speaks to you. And more than just read it, like pay attention to the the helps and the tips. Actually, these three questions on the back. As you read, read it a couple times. Ask these questions: What's getting your attention? What's God saying? What are you going to do about it? And I would even like uh, go one step further. I just want to offer this, and we'll get dive into this morning. Um, who do you read the Bible with? I think we're so um, cultured to just have our individual you know, devotional time. But I just want to invite you and encourage you to, during this series and during this Bible plan that we put together for the, through the end of the year, to read the scriptures with others. You know, in Acts 2, it said, they devoted themselves. Like, there was a togetherness. There was a community aspect to, to the reading of the Word of God. Like, who do you read the Bible with? Like, like, what if you read it together as a family, around the table, before you head out for the day, or at night when you're having dinner together, or, or with a coworker at lunch? Um, we as a staff, we get together and we read uh, the, the daily Bible passage, you know, each day together, and it's amazing how when we open up the Word of God together, we get insights, and God speaks to us through other people. Like, so I just encourage you, like, have other people in your lives that you read the scriptures with. And and, I, and sometimes it helps to have someone to process with. Because were you reading Jeremiah at all this week? Like, that dude's sort of depressing. You know, like, he, he that, wow, like, um, sometimes you need to process that with people, like, what's Jeremiah saying here, you know? And uh, so it's just, I just encourage you to consider reading the scriptures together with other people. Today we're going to read, um, we're going to kind of camp out in the passage that we read Friday, if you're participating in the plan. Friday we were in the book of Exodus, Exodus chapter 32. So if you have a Bible, I want to encourage you to find Exodus chapter 32. If you have a Bible app, turn to find Exodus 32. All right, Exodus 32, everybody have it? If it helps, it's on page 123 in my Bible, okay, and uh, last, last week we, uh, we did this little, little litany at the end of the gathering, and I thought uh, during this series at least, this would be kind of maybe a powerful thing uh, to do in unison before we read the scripture each day of this series, so I'm going to put it up. I'm going to ask you to uh, to take your Bible and to hold it up. If you have your Bible app to hold that up. If you don't have anything, just hold up your fist maybe. Um, And say these words in unison as a reminder of what we're about to encounter. This is my Bible. It is the Word of God. It is the sword of the Spirit. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. I can do what it says I can do. Devil, I'm armed and should be considered dangerous. Let's open the word of God together. Exodus 32. I'm going to read verses 1 through 14 and Seth is going to follow along on the screen. This is what it says. When the people saw that Moses was so long in coming down from the mountain, they gathered around Aaron and said, Come, make us gods who will go before us. As for this fellow Moses who brought us up out of Egypt, we don't know what has happened to him. Aaron answered them, Take off your gold earrings that your wives, your sons, and your daughters are wearing, and bring them to me. So all the people took off their earrings and brought them to Aaron. He took what they handed him, and he made it into an idol cast in the shape of a calf, fashioning it with a tool. Then they said, then they said, These are your gods, Israel, who brought you up out of Egypt. When Aaron saw this, he built an altar in front of the calf, and he announced, Tomorrow there will be a festival to the Lord. So the next day the people rose early and sacrificed burnt offerings and presented fellowship offerings. Afterward they sat down to eat and drink and got up to indulge in revelry. Then the Lord said to Moses, Go down. Because your people who you brought up out of Egypt have become corrupt. They've been quick to turn away from what I commanded them. And they've made themselves an idol cast in the shape of a calf. They've bowed down to it and they've sacrificed to it. And have said, these are your gods, Israel, who brought you out of Egypt. I've seen these people, the Lord said to Moses. They are a stiff-necked people. Now, leave me alone so that my anger may burn against them. That I may destroy them. Then I will make you into a great nation. But Moses sought the favor of the Lord his God. Lord, he said, why should your anger burn against your people, whom you brought out of Egypt with great power and a mighty hand? Why should the Egyptians say it was with evil intent that he brought them out to kill them in the mountains and to wipe them off the face of the earth? Turn from your fierce anger. Relent. Relent. And do not bring disaster on your people. Remember your servants, Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, to whom you swore by your own self. I will make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky, and I will give your descendants all this land that I promised them, and it will be their inheritance forever. Then the Lord relented and did not bring on his people the disaster that he had threatened. The word of God. Hey, take just like, 30 seconds or a minute turn to the person next to you and just share what's one thing that grabbed your attention in that story what's one thing that 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 turned your head that maybe like you have a question about or maybe you didn't notice before like just just turn and share one thing that grabbed your attention that you noticed in that story just do that right now All right, here's what grabbed my attention. There's so many things that grabbed my attention in this story. Um, but, but this this simple fact, that, I mean, I'm not surprised by it, but it sort of caught my attention. Like, God's an emotional being. God has emotions. He gets angry, you know, he... he he experiences emotions, which shouldn't be surprising because we're made in His image. I experience emotions. I'm made in the image of my Creator, so He must experience emotions. But sometimes I think we uh, forget that God's an emotional being. We'll come back to that. But it's such a great story. It's just such a, a great story. It's brilliant writing. There, there's sort of this uh, kind of downstairs, upstairs scene flip-flop going on you know, in this entire story. The, the story actually begins back in Exodus 24, I'm just going like, to just set that scene a little bit. It begins back in Exodus 24. Moses is, he, he's up on the mountain with, on Mount Sinai with the Lord. And uh, for instance, like in, in chapter 24, verse three, it says that Moses went and he told all the people the Lord's words and the laws and, and the people. here's how the people responded to, to what God was saying to them. "Everything the Lord has said, we will do." Then Moses wrote down everything that the Lord had said. And then, again, this is kind of the last. This is the last uh, recording of what the people said before we get to today's story, down in verse 7. It says that, that Moses took the book of the covenant and he read it to the people. And they responded, we will do everything the Lord said. We will obey. And then um, later on in that chapter, it says that Moses set out with Joshua, his aide. And Moses went up on the mountain of the God and he told the elders to wait here. We're going to come back to you. He sort of deputizes Aaron. Hey, like if any problems arise while I'm gone meeting with God up on this mountain, Aaron can take care of things, you know, on my behalf. And then it says, Moses went up on the mountain. And just listen to this description. I'm reading in uh, you know, verse 15 of, of chapter 24. It says, when Moses went up on the mountain, the cloud covered it. And the glory of the Lord settled upon Mount Sinai. And for six days, the cloud covered the mountain. And on the seventh day, the Lord called to Moses from within the cloud. To the Israelites, the glory of the Lord looked like a consuming fire on the top of the mountain. Then Moses entered the cloud, and he went up on the mountain and he stayed on the mountain, it says, for 40 days and for 40 nights. So that's what's happening. Moses is up on the mountain and, and God has given him all these in- incredibly detailed instructions of how to build the tabernacle and, and how to even like make the curtain and how many you know, curtain you know, rings to have in it and what to make the olive oil kind of out of for the burning of incense and how to make the robes and the vestments for the priests. I mean, very detailed instruction. Moses is up on the mountain getting all this instruction. Remember before he went, he, he kind of deputized Aaron, like Aaron, you're in charge while I'm gone. Handle things. If any problems arise, take care of them. Well, in arise problems do, don't they, from our story? Problems definitely arise while Moses is upstairs on the mountain with God for 40 days. Downstairs, we're told, the, the, the people in the Greek, or in the Hebrew, they mob. They, they sort of mob against Aaron. And they start demanding that Aaron make them some gods. Because this fellow Moses, this fellow Moses who, who brought us up out of Egypt... Which already there's an indicator of, of they're losing their center. They're losing their focus. Moses didn't bring them up out of Egypt. God did. God used Moses. But they're already like associating Moses with sort of their savior. And now, now he's gone. And look at the mountain. It looks like it's on fire up there. He's probably dead. He, he's probably not coming back. So you've got to do something here, Aaron. You've got you to make some gods for us. He's taken too long. I, I mean... And so Aaron makes this golden cap. I mean, they're already breaking the, the first two of the Ten Commandments. They've just gotten the Ten Commandments back in Exodus 20. And the first one said, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt. You shall have no other gods before me. And the second one says, and you shall not make, you know, in the form of an idol, of, uh, make no idols. Don't make any idols. They're already breaking the first two commandments that they got. So Aaron Caves he caves in, he, he caves in and he collects all the gold, all the earrings that the men and the women are wearing, the gold that they took out of Egypt, you know, which was meant for the temple, um, the, the, he collects all the gold earrings and he, he melts it all down and he makes this golden calf. And then you know, maybe trying to, he, he starts to see what's happening and maybe to try to save things, he says like, well, tomorrow though, tomorrow we're gonna have a feast for Yahweh, we're gonna have a feast for the Lord, and so it says the next day the people get up early and they make sacrifices and they have this feast. And then it says they rise up and indulge in revelry. And again, if you were to kind of translate the Hebrew word there, uh, it could mean a lot of different things, a lot of like things that probably shouldn't be mentioned in a church service. Like th- these got kind of wild, apparently. All right? So then, so you got this going on downstairs, the scene shifts back upstairs. God is P.O.'d, God is furious. He's furious and he tells Moses, get back down there. You know, get back downstairs because, did you notice this? Your people, Moses, who you brought up out of Egypt, they're corrupt. They're corrupt. And that's the same word God used with Noah when he's getting ready to destroy you know, all of creation. Like the, the people have become corrupt. It's, it's that level of, of anger and, and frustration on God's part. You know, and so they're your people now, Moses. Your people are acting up down there. Just leave me alone. I mean, don't you kind of appreciate this emotional posture? Like God says, just, just leave me alone, Moses. L- get out of here. I'm going to let my anger burn. I'm just going to let it grow and swell. And then I'm going to destroy them. I'm going to destroy them. Almost like, like, like he did, you know, back in the time of Noah. I'm going to destroy them, but I'm going to rebuild with you, Moses going to rebuild with you. I'm going to make you into a great nation, similar to the the promise he made to Abraham. This is such a defining moment in Moses's life. Don't miss this. This is such a powerful moment in the life of Moses as a leader. Don't miss what he does here. It's bold. It's audacious. In this moment, Moses could have said, whatever you say, boss, Whatever you say, I'll head back down the mountain. Like, now you know what I've been dealing with. Now you know, like, let's, let, I like your idea, God. Let's, let's get rid of all these people, just you and me. We'll just start over, right? That's what he could have done. Moses could have had that posture, but he didn't. Did you, did, I mean, take note of what he did. Moses didn't obey God. Moses disobeyed God. Instead of leaving God, Moses stays. And it says he seeks God's favor on behalf of the people. First, I love what Moses did. First, he reminds God, like, first of all, God, they're your people. They're not my people. They're your people. These are your people. You're the one who brought them up out of Egypt. And second of all, God, consider the implications on your reputation If you were to destroy all these people, what are the Egyptians going to say about our God? They're going to say that our God delivered us so miraculously from Egypt only to take his people out into the wilderness to destroy them. That's not a good look, God. That's not a good look for you. Moses questions God. He questions him, like, why should your anger burn? Why should your anger burn against us, against these people? He implores God to turn from his anger and to relent. Moses proceeds to remind God of the promises God has made in his name. Like you, you made promises by your own name, God. You made promises to Abraham, to Isaac. To, we have a covenant in play here, God. You promised to be our God, and we're going to be your people. He reminds God of his promises. So back to like, how does God respond to all this? Exodus thirty two fourteen that last verse we read, the Lord relented. The Lord relented and did not bring on his people the disaster that he had threatened. If you read that in the amplified version of the Bible, it says this, God changed his mind. Now, this past Monday uh, at our two o'clock uh, daily staff prayer and scripture reading, um, Chris had joined us. Like She came in just to pray with us and be a part of that gathering, which was awesome. Anybody ever wants to come pray with us, you're welcome. Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, 2 o'clock. And uh, we were reading, I was, on Mondays we read this scripture that we're going to preach out of and just talk about it together. And uh, Chris didn't have her Bible with her, so she grabbed, remember that big Bible I had last week, that big honking, 50-pound Bible? Um, she grabbed that out of my office, and obviously it's old, so it's King James, and she turned to it. You know what it says in the King James? This verse? says, God repented. God repented. He repented. What? God repents? Obviously not in the way we repent, but we're going to come back to that. I just want to finish this story so we know how this whole thing proceeded after this story that we read. Um, only after God relented, changed his mind, repented, does Moses go back He goes back downstairs. Moses has got, he's in shape, man. He's going up and down all the time. He goes back down the mountain. It says he's carrying the tablets of the covenant of the law in his hands, which I think like, why do you even need to say that? How else would he carry them? He he carries them in his hands and he goes back down and he gets to the entrance of the camp and he sees the golden calf and all the dancing that's going on. Now Moses is the one who's angry. Now Moses is the one who's upset. You know what he does? He takes the tablets and he throws them down and he breaks them into pieces. He takes the golden calf and he melts it in the fire and he grinds it into powder and he mixes it with water and he makes the people drink it. That's just crazy stuff. Then he confronts Aaron. Oh, I mean, read this. He he confronts Aaron like Aaron like, what's going on? And Aaron's like, I don't know. Like these people like they, they wanted a god and and, and so like I, I they gave me some gold and I threw it into the fire and out walked this calf out walked this calf I don't know how that happened people are running wild back on you know it's interesting isn't it back up on the mountain God or or Moses is very worried and concerned about God's reputation should God destroy all the people now Moses is worried about God's reputation because the people are alive and they're not representing God well They're leaving a bad impression of God on the the peoples around them. So the Levites rally to Moses. They strap on their swords and about 3,000 people are killed that day. I mean, mean sin is serious and there's serious consequences. And Moses tells the people, okay, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go back up there. I'm going back upstairs and I'm going to try to see if I can smooth things over with God. He goes up, he pleads with God to forgive them. And and he says, even to the point that, God, if you don't forgive them, just kill me then. Just, just blot me out of the book. You know, just, just kill me if you're not going to forgive them. God, God he, he continues to relent. He says, you know, I'm not, the time is coming when they'll be punished. There's a plague that happens you know, God tells Moses to, to go back down. I mean, again, in shape, up and down, up and down. Go back down and lead the people. I'm going to send an angel to go before you. You know, because if I'm around these people, God says, I don't know if I can control myself. Like, I'm not even going to go with them. I'm just going to send my angel. And there's this cool exchange where Moses continues to plead like, no, if you're not with us, we're not. I mean, you got to be with us, God. You're our God. And finally, God relents and like, my presence will go with you. What a story. I mean, there's so many sermons. I mean, all I've done is told the story. Like, there's six or seven sermons we could preach right now, and I want to talk about all of them. But I'm not going to. I'm not going to. As I've read and reread and discussed this passage, there's just one single big takeaway that I want to offer you this morning. It's very simple. It continues to inspire me, and here it is. It's really epic. Write this down. Are you ready? God listens. God listens listens if last week was simply all about God speaks are we listening today's story is just the opposite God listens are we speaking are we talking to him the one and only true God who didn't need any help or advice creating everything didn't need anybody's assistance in speaking the entire universe into place listens he listens to his creation he listens to you he listens to me he listens to us and he not just listens but according to this story I can't help but believe he also responds he responds I mean just ponder that God listens our words our prayers have the power to influence the God of the universe sometimes maybe even causing him to relent, change his mind, and repent. Whoa. When you let that sink in, that is huge. And this story is in the Bible. It's in the Bible. In this story, God seems okay with Moses questioning him, with reminding him of who his people belong to, and in. God seems okay with Moses telling God, reminding him of his promises. Moses prays big, and he prays with guts. This story is like prayer fuel to me. This this story is prayer fuel for me and for us. I don't know how to explain it perfectly or adequately theologically. I mean, on the one hand, the scriptures tell us, and we believe this, that God is unchanging. He's immutable, and his purposes have been fixed from eternity. We can read scriptures about that. But there's also stories in the Bible, like this one, or, or like in Genesis six when it says God regretted creating humanity because they were so wicked, or in First Samuel when God says He regretted making King Saul, making Saul the king. You know, and in this story, God repented; He changed His mind. Does all that mean that God somehow doesn't know how things are going to turn out? No, I don't believe that. He's in control and he's leading all of creation towards the culmination of a new heaven and a new earth. He's in control. He's sovereign. But somehow in a beautiful, mysterious way, right alongside his perfect foreknowledge of everything, God's heart can be moved into action by our posture and by our prayers God is moved by our compassion for others. I think he responds to our audacious boldness in prayer. God seems willing to turn towards and to respond to, um, and is maybe even waiting for us to ask, to plead, to demand, even, to remind him of whose the people are and the promises that he's made. God seems to turn his head and to turn his heart in our direction when we seem to care more about his reputation than even our own wants and needs. God's heart is capable of complex combinations of emotions. God can be upset or angry or grieved over the state of affairs that he kind of put into motion. That's what it means to be God. And God wants, desires, expects us to approach him, to stay in his presence, and to ask, demand boldly. I mean, Jesus in the New Testament you know, teaches us that we're to ask, we're to seek, and we're to knock. And when we ask, it will be given to you. And when you seek, you will find. And when you knock, the door will be open to you. And um, along the way, just keep persevering. Keep asking. Keep seeking. Keep knocking. He teaches his, his disciples a, a parable um, in order to teach them to always pray and to never give up. God expects us to talk to him because he wants to listen to us. Prayer changes things. Prayer moves God's heart. Do you believe this? And do you pray as if you believe this. The early church did. That's why they were devoted. Not just to the apostles teaching. But to prayer. Because they believe prayer changes things. Prayer is the work of ministry. Do you pray like that? Do you pray like that? I mean. I, I, I'm. I've been so motivated. And, and captivated by. By just this. What we've been reading in the Bible lately. I mean. I, I've started some new practices in my life. Like. And they're very simple and they may even be corny. But the first one is, um, like, first thing in the morning, like, I want my knees to hit the ground before I do anything else. So when I I roll out of bed, I go right onto my knees and and I just acknowledge God, I greet Him, and I pray the prayer that Jesus taught us to pray. Another practice I'm starting to incorporate into my life is scripture before phone. (laughs) I know that sounds kind of dorky, but scripture before phone. That's why I'm, I'm more and more going back to my, my printed Bible versus my digital one. Because on the digital one, there's all these other distractions. These red numbers pop up. Like, oh, somebody like, sent me an email. Like, oh, somebody sent me a text. Like, oh, and I got to go look at it. I don't have the discipline or the self-control. So I'm trying to be self-controlled like scripture before phone. Because here's the deal. Not everything is urgent and needs my immediate attention. I mean, didn't you see that in Moses' story? There's an urgent thing going on downstairs, down, down in the valley. People are going crazy. Moses, a like, our, our leadership impulse would be like, I got to rush down there and fix this. But he didn't. He stayed in God's presence and he fought the battle there. He, 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 fo- he stayed in God's presence and he worked the problem out there. Like, I just want to invite the band forward. But as they come forward... I want you to ponder this question. What if Moses hadn't stayed? What if Moses hadn't stayed in God's presence? How might this story have turned out differently? The people of God had turned away from God. The people of God had turned away from God. One man stood in the gap on their behalf, and he refused to leave God's presence until God came through. One man. Stayed in, God, stayed in God's presence and refused to leave until God came through. Let me ask you a question. Is there someone in your life who, like the people in this story, maybe have turned away from God? Maybe you have strayed? Maybe you have turned their back on God or wandering Maybe you're the only one standing in the gap. You no, know, Brendan mentioned that earlier. Like, 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 what if, what if Beth is the only one praying right now for this student? Like, what if you're the only one praying, standing in the gap? Draw encouragement from this story. Don't stop. Don't stop. Don't stop reminding God. God, this is your son. God, this is your daughter. You promised God. You you promised to be our God. You promised that we get to be your children, get to be your people. Don't stop contending. Never underestimate the power of relentless prayer. Never underestimate it. So, as you reflect this morning, as we get ready to sing one more song, as you think about this story, I think the first question we might want to ask is where are you in this story? Are you upon the mountain with God? Are you down in the valley? When you pray, do you take into account, are you caring about God's reputation? Does that matter to you, God's reputation? Are you leaving a good impression of God through your words and through your actions? What's God saying to you this morning? What's what's the one thing he's impressing upon you this morning? Receive that right now. What's one thing you could do in response this week? Why don't you stand and let me pray and then we're gonna sing. Lord, first of all, man, I am grateful for the people who stood in the gap for me. Thank you for the people who prayed for me when I wasn't living for you. Lord, this story teaches us in such a clear way that you are a God who listens. You respond. Our prayers move your heart. Lord, we've seen you answer our prayers in the past. Don't stop. Keep doing it again. Until we go home or Jesus comes back, Lord, may we be a people devoted not just to the word of God, but to prayer and who stand in the gap for those who have no one to stand in the gap for them. May that be who we are in your name. Amen. Amen. Let's sing.